welcome to the Extraordinary Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Monaco, and we're talking sports. And to me, there's nothing better. All right, welcome to another edition of the Extraordinary Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Chilling with a special guest, Dustin Sweetelson. He's a producer of the rap on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Radio, Channel 82, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Time. Dustin, it's a pleasure to be on the mic with you, my man. How are you? Alex, I appreciate you having me on, man. Gotta love it. Hey, you're you're uh, an East Coast, born in New York guy. I got three generations of New York in me. Uh, we talked right before the rare Mets Giants combo. It's a little exhausting, but hey, that that connects us, my friend. I, I appreciate to hear it. Yeah, man. You know, I had to have like one winner in my life when it comes to sports because the Mets, unfortunately, <laughs> while the 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 depression that is uh, being a Mets fan has provided me with the skill set where I can deal with any disappointment in life. <laughs> It's it's nice to have the New York Giants as kind of a stable, consistent force of winning every now and then for me uh, as a sports fan. If you're not going to have Frank and Estelle Costanz out there on the island uh, coaching you to, to prepare for failures, at least you got the Mets. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, my man. What do you think it is? I mean, just... Uh, you you wake up, they're eleven and one to start the season. Correct me if I'm wrong. And getting posters about them left and right on Twitter, and then all of a sudden Harvey's on the Reds. Degrom might even be gone as well. I mean, what the heck's going on? It's one of those franchises that you just can't put a, 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 a pin on it, but they continue to disappoint. Yeah, and it's it's a, a thing, especially it's worse when you're in New York. So luckily, I left New York when I was 18. But like, if I was still in New York, it would be even harder, just because it seems like when this happens to the Mets on the other side of town, things are always going really well for the Yankees, and I think that's what makes it harder to deal with the fact that the other team in town is so successful all the time (laughs) and from from the top to the bottom all they do is win all they care about is winning and they somehow figure it out all the time and on the other side the Mets are constantly chasing wanting to be winners not uh, wanting to not be laughed at anymore and they just always crumble man I'd say it starts at the top with ownership but that's like the easy way out I honestly don't know what it is. Well, Dun- I mean, Dustin, I grew up in San Diego. So, first of all, I got an ex-girlfriend up here in Hollywood where I live now, the L.A. Chargers, which I'll spare talking about. But I, I grew up a Padres fan. The payroll, I- I- it was two guys. They're going to pay PV, and then they're going to marinate on paying Adrian Gonzalez, so they're going to send him out of town. It- so, from my perspective, it's like, all right, at least the Mets have the means to compete. They're willing to spend the money. It's just how they allot their funds that probably drives you crazy. Really. But not really. Like, they do, but they don't, right? Like, you go into the offseason, and you're like, all right, we can win. But I don't know if it's because of the Bernie Madoff stuff. I don't know what it is financially with the Wilpons. If they're, I can't tell if they're cheap or if they just don't have money, and they somehow own a team in New York. And, like, as a New York sports fan, I should never have to – money should never be the thing that separates my team between winning and losing, right? 
As a, as a San Diego Padre fan, that is an unfortunate thing that you have to do. <laughs> But as a New York sports fan, I never should have had to watch Jose Reyes leave and go to the go to the Marlins for more money. He was a homegrown guy. We should have paid him whatever it was at the time and kept him in New York. So, like, if you look at their offseason, they acted like they were going for it, but they really weren't. Because if you were really going for it, you sign Mike Moustakis, not Todd Frazier, right? You don't save a couple bucks and sign Todd Frazier. You spend the money to get the better third baseman, Mike Moustakis. If you're bringing in an outfielder, you needed a center fielder. You have plenty of corner infielders. You have Conforto, you have Nimmo, you have Cespedes. Corner infielders everywhere, you need a center fielder. You spend the money and you get Lorenzo Cain. Well said. They instead take the money and they spend it on Jay Bruce. So it, when you shop at TJ Maxx, you understand the whole <laughs> you're buying is going to have some sort of defense. And the Mets shop at TJ Maxx every year. Wow. I love it. Hey. Segwaying nicely into what it's like to be a New York sports fan. I mean, for me, again, I've, I've searched for that beloved fan base wherever I could find it in, in Fairweather, Southern California land. And, and I know you're out here now as well. So that's something you're, you're, you're kind of getting into. I mean, you got the Dodgers and the Lakers, of course. But for the most part, I mean, I just had a conversation yesterday about why Mike Trout is not being discussed more, and it's probably because it's Southern California baseball. And if it's not Dodger blue, nobody cares. But back to the New York sports kind of culture, Dustin. Just take me through. You can pick a team if you want. But ultimately, what is it like to grow up in such a sports culture that that wraps their arms around their players, but also stays brutally honest and keeps you even keel? I mean, I think this goes for New Yorkers in general, like not even just for sports, but New Yorkers think they know everything about everything, regardless of what their resume says, right? <laughs> like New Yorkers just think they walk in a room and there's an entitlement of you should, uh, you should be asking me for my opinion because I was born in New York. For, I, I mean, it's a great city. Uh, some say the greatest in the world. Some say the greatest in the country. I don't know. I've lived in some other cool places, but New Yorkers have this entitlement where they just think their opinion is bigger and better than whatever yours is because of where you're from. And growing up there, you learn that the conversation, your sports fandom isn't about the games. Your sports fandom is about your opinion on the game. So you can't just take in a game and say, I enjoyed that. (laughs) You have to have an opinion on the game. And then your friends have to argue with you or talk to you about it, whatever it is. And you have to analyze it yourselves. And New York's like the only city where they they do baseball year-round. Like, that's how you know it's a special, passionate place for sports is because 162 games isn't enough for them to talk about baseball. They need to do it during the winter, too. Um, but being a New York sports fan, man, that it, having lived other places, I've lived in Atlanta, I lived in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is a really good sports town. Atlanta is not a great sports town, but I will say this, their knowledge for the sports they really care about, their yeah. passion is as, like, they know, people in Atlanta know as much about SEC football as Mets and Yankee fans know about the Mets and Yankees in New York. But the, the difference is in New York, everyone just thinks they know more than the people doing the jobs. Like it's literally me. there are New Yorkers who think sitting on their couch that every move that Aaron Boone makes 
is a move they wouldn't make, and they know more than him. <laughs> so, so when Larry, so when Larry David, so when Larry David Dustin says that he can call plays as an offensive coordinator for the New York Jets, he he he's he's one of many New Yorkers that feel that way. Yeah, but for the Jets, he probably could. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk Knicks for a second. I'm fascinated with the organization. I grew up in the 90s. I'm a millennial, as I'm sure you are as well. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable basketball history rich in the NBA. You can't tell the NBA story without the Knicks. And growing up as a 90s kid, that was a team I loved. The Starks, the Oakleys, the Allen Houston's, the Spreewells, Larry Johnson even with the elbow. You know, so... Here they are in present day, and it's almost like the narrative now, at least among sports radio, I mean, you tell me, is that everyone, every player, every superstar that comes thinks they can fix the Knicks, and it's just bigger than one guy. Obviously, Melo's come and gone. I kind of like what they've done the last couple years, but ultimately, can you pinpoint it on what's going on with the Knicks, and how much does the fan base's pressure in New York specifically Factor in. I mean, like, it starts at the top, right? Just like I said with the Mets, the dysfunction starts at the top. Like, when it, com- when it comes to being a-, a Knicks fan, if it wasn't for that NFL team in, in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. I think New York Knicks fans would be able to say that they have the most dysfunctional ownership in all of sports. Um, that just don't know how to win, don't know how to keep it, how to how to do it the right way, don't know how to get out of the way and let the people who understand the game make decisions. But like Daniel Snyder is the only person who makes James Dolan look sane. Um, <laughs> but but like when you bring in Phil Jackson, does and you think okay. Now there's going to be some stability. We at least are bringing in a proven winner, and even Phil Jackson had trouble in the booth. Yeah, see the problem is the New York Knicks will always make money, right? Like I I could I could book Madison Square Garden and I can say, come watch Dustin Sweetelson take a dump into a paper bag at half court at Madison <laughs> Square Garden and it would sell out. So like they're making money. That's a success right there. Winning is just like icing on the cake for them, I guess. Like the tick, a t- getting a ticket to a Knicks game is impossible when they stick. It's impossible. No, when I, it's, that's that's fair. When they stick. But it's it, there's still pressure. It's not like they're just takers and they're not trying. I do feel. I mean, maybe don't. Maybe I'm wrong about Dolan. But everybody else. I mean, look. I, I think whoever is the superstar that starts it. Maybe it's a Kyrie and Jimmy next offseason one-two punch to come in with Porzingis. Either way, I I do feel like they don't want to stay a losing culture, but there is merit to what you said. The Garden's selling out because it's the Garden. Yeah, so like go back to Isaiah Thomas, right? It was a crazy time when Isaiah Thomas was running everything. And say whatever you want for him as a head coach. He was a terrible head coach. Look at some of the guys he drafted in the draft. And they've lasted a really long time in the NBA, despite not being superstars, right? Like, he, he hit on some guys late, but and, and they rushed him out of town. Totally understood at the time. Thought it was a great move. Right. Everyone they – Donnie Walsh, Larry Brown, whoever they've brought in to make decisions with the Knicks, um, for whatever reason, you're right. The stench of being a Knicks has tainted, <laughs> has tainted what was already a, su- a successful basketball career. But I think the pinpoint 
in the recent times, there's two moments where things went disastrously, disastrously wrong for the Knicks. Sure. One, Carmelo Anthony wants to be a Nick. And instead <laughs> of waiting until the offseason to sign him as a free agent, they trade Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari and draft picks and whoever else was in that Fell team. in, so yeah. It was NBA players to Denver, right? And they bring in Carmelo. And he comes over, and now the Knicks are a depleted, bad team, but they have a superstar in Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire and all that. Uh, if they would have just waited till the offseason and added Carmelo to a team with Gallinari and Chandler, you know, serviceable role guys, right. have Amari, eventually you add Tyson Chandler to the mix, all of a sudden... It's, a play, it's at least team, a playoff team. It's at least a playoff yeah. team. It's not winning a title, but no. you never know. You never know at that at that point. We, had, we didn't have the Warriors yet, so it felt like everyone had a shot. So then, okay, so Dustin, so back to that moment then. Is it the instant gratification pressure of the community and culture there? Because in 2018, that impulse decision to trade maybe makes a little more sense. This was several years back, still obviously in an instant gratification culture. But how much do you think that was pressure on the fan base to do that right it, then? Well, like a good leadership doesn't doesn't care about the opinions of people, right? Like good leadership should be no, we're going to stay the course. We have a vision. We believe what our vision is going to be. And if the Knicks had good leadership, their whole their whole philosophy then would have been: we'll wait, we'll add Carmelo. We don't want to deplete this roster, and this team will be better for it. We'll wait. We're not winning right now anyway. What does adding Carmelo Anthony do to us, right? It, it it does nothing. All it does is give us a marketable su- superstar, and we steal the back pages. We steal the hype. People are talking about us, and that goes back to the New York sports fan. New York sports fans is not always about the games. It's about the conversations about what's happening with the teams, and adding Carmelo makes the Knicks an instant point of conversation for people in New York. I love that. So, all right, so then, take me through. You're on, you know, 8th and 63rd or so. You know, you're walking the streets in Manhattan. Are people leading with Yank? Let's say every, let's say everyone's even. I mean, obviously the Yankees are, are, are playoff bound most years, but for the most part, is it a is it a Knicks town first? Is it a baseball town first, or is it actually the it, New York Football it's, Giants? It's a baseball town first, but there's a caveat with that. When when the New York Knicks matter, and, and believe me, it hasn't happened all that often in my life. <laughs> but when the when the New York Knicks matter. They they are right under baseball, right there with baseball. Because here's one thing you have to remember about the Knicks. Whereas the Yankees and Mets split the town, whatever it may be, 65 35%. Right. The New York Knicks probably have 80%. You know, the, the Nets only have so many fans. The Knicks are a team that brings brings together people who are split on NFL – who are split on baseball, who are split on hockey even, Rangers and Islanders. Wow. A lot of those people who have to choose between those two hockey teams come together as Knicks fans. I love it. Wow, that's amazing. Well, there it is, right? Okay, so one more question on the Knicks. We'll move off, talk some other topics, and I'll let you get out of here. When 
Let's say Knox. I, I got a good gut feeling about Knox. I know it's early, but let's say the guy, if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year, he's top three. He he's, he supersedes his expectations. He's a, he's a 15, 16 point a guy, point a game guy, maybe, you know, splashing five to six boards. Do you think that, and, and Porzingis stays healthy, that they can get a big fish next offseason? Because honestly, if you could get Jimmy B and Kyrie, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but you got the New Jersey raised Kyrie and Jimmy Butler wants, he, he's got dog in him. It's a good place. It's a good fit. Do you think the Knicks are back? I don't want to put pressure on the rookie Knox, but I almost feel like it's an audition this season with the current players for the, for the superstars coming out in 2019, sure. in my opinion. So, so the, I think the Knicks, the rebuild is happening at the perfect time. Because we've got an NBA era right now where no one's touching the Warriors. Like, it's, I don't care what anyone did. This No one is touching the Warriors. Um, the Lakers are interesting next offseason, but if everything goes as planned, they're going to be spending their money on Kawhi uh, and who knows who else. Right. Um, the Rockets still matter. I think for the Knicks, I, I know they, they're looking at next offseason as a big opportunity to add – Butler, shoot, maybe Kevin Durant. Who knows? Whoever becomes available. Um, but the way they're building it, it's the first time in a long time it looks like they have a proper plan to properly rebuild. Because you've got the kid Frank, Nilakina, Tilakina, however the hell you say his last <laughs> name, from France, super athletic. He's a, he's a really good defender, and he's only 19. He would have been one of the youngest players in this past draft. Right. Um, Knox, also a very young player in this draft. That's what people don't understand. He was only 18 when he was selected. you got Porzingis, who's like 22 right now. I think it's a long play for the Knicks. Like The idea of what we were just talking about with Carmelo Anthony, the instant gratification, as you said it, is a perfect way to put it. There was an instant gratification of trying to rebuild that way. So maybe they make a push and get a couple of these guys in the offseason for agency. It would be tremendous, and it would make sense, right? Because right. you know the Lakers would be back. The Lakers would be be a, a spot that, that matters again, and, and Golden State matters, and Houston matters again. It's only right that the next team— It's only right, baby. We got Philly, we got Philly, Boston for years to come. Come on. It ain't the same without New York involved. New York has to be next. I think it's a great point by you that New York needs to be next. Well, I just look. All right, Dustin, it leads me to my next point. We're talking NBA. It's all over the sports radio sphere in terms of NBA mobility. It's the player empowerment. The stars are getting granted their permission slips to go where they want even a year before. We just saw it again with Kawhi. Who wants to come slay the dragon? If you're Kevin Durant, let's take the McCollum beef yesterday. Don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Uh, Shout it out, snakes in the grass. Gotta love it because... McCollum basically, I'm paraphrasing, but talked about, you know, in lieu of KD leaving, it was like, it's like getting jumped and, and, and then leaving the, the gang you got jumped by for the gang that just jumped you in lieu of the OKC Warrior thing. Uh, to me, if you're Durant, you win one more and then you call it because I think Draymond or Clay, I got an intuition that one of them might go to some media, you know, some mid-level hopper higher team to take the max deal. Sure. I probably think it's Draymond. Do, do you do you not marinate on doing that if you're Kevin? Because, again, he's barking back 
He has an issue with insecurity within himself. Clearly, he's oh, responding yeah. to these people. But why not go be a Nick, Kevin? Go be a Nick. You'll be a villain, but you'll have the New York fan base behind you. To me, you gotta. Lo- I love that narrative. He, here's my here's my little thing for Kevin Durant because I, I I didn't get as mad at, at him as everyone else did when he went to Golden State. Oh really? We live in this. We're in a society now where everyone is saying if you don't win the rings, it doesn't matter. Put the rings first. And here's a guy who's literally embodying that. And maybe competitively, I can see how some people don't like that. It's it's I, this is how I this is how I looked at, it, and then I'll let you continue. I felt like that was it was it was taking it. From an analogy standpoint and putting in, putting it into life, just off the noggin, I could come up with something better. But it's almost like you apologized, but the tone of your voice and the way you went about apologizing, it, it didn't work. It's almost the curb thing where the thank you didn't the, – the, recipro- the reciprocity did not equal the thank you. Something along those lines because, it, sure, him going to the Warriors, it wouldn't – it just wouldn't have had the same sting if he hadn't come fresh off of being so close to beating him. That's what I think bothered people. So to bring it back, right, here's what I would love to see for Kevin Durant. This is my little, like, conspiracy layout that would just be perfect to, to bring his legacy back where he's now someone that that we, we, we talk about and like in a positive light. Preach it, baby. So Kevin Durant wins another ring with Golden State. Then he joins LeBron and Kawhi for one year with the Lakers, wins a ring. Then he goes to Oklahoma City the next year to help Paul George and Russ finally win that ring in Oklahoma City. Then he goes to New York, and he wins a ring there. Then as he's getting a little bit older, he joins one of these other teams like Philadelphia, helps them win a ring, puts them over the top. All of a sudden, KD becomes the guy that you get when you want to put your team over the top to win rings, and he keeps doing what he can do, and that's win rings, but he becomes this hero in a bunch of different cities. He's the Schmeagle of the NBA, if you will. <laughs> well, Dustin, I had a fascinating thought similar to your path here, but with LeBron. In my mind, I'm thinking LeBron is positionless, if you're really looking at it. He can fit with anyone. He's a giver in a taker's league. Why not go five years on five teams signing one-year deals starting with the Rockets? I loved it. I thought Rockets, Philly, probably wouldn't go to Boston even though I love the fit, uh, among others, and show because no one has carved that path. If we're we're clearly moving on past the staying on one team narrative or storyline that was the Jordan era, and we're moving into player mobility, then... Who's the first guy to, to hop around and, and do a little shoots and ladders, if you will, around the league? Sure. Like, if the argument against LeBron not being the greatest, right, is that he doesn't have enough rings, well, he debunks that if his only move now is go to Houston, put them over the top, let's get a ring there. Next year, let's go to Philly, put them over the top, let's get a ring there. Then he goes wherever else he goes next, whatever the next team on the rise is. Maybe LeBron and OKC. Who knows? Uh, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I'm with you. But I think LeBron, for him. Well, that ship has sailed. But Kevin can do it. I love your I love your route that KD could could take. I, I, I would love for, as a LeBron guy, I would love LeBron to just keep piling up rings in all these different organizations. But I think at this point, 
while LeBron's still playing at a ridiculous level, it's not all about basketball for him anymore. And I almost respect it because he has bigger things that he wants to do with his life. Well, there it is. Uh, you're you're obviously in, in the professional sports radio world. I wanted to just throw it your way because I do listen to, well, obviously, Mad Dogs up there, Eisen, Dan Patrick, Cowherd. I, I like to, to make my rounds and listen to these guys. To you, in the daily grind and world of sports radio, what, in your opinion, separates good sports radio from great sports radio? Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um you know, I, I I believe in a way of relating to people like the guy that I get to produce every day, Patrick Maher. Um, he has a way of connecting with people and relating sports to life and, and, and making things a little more understandable and not believing that one opinion is the only opinion, which is a rarity in sports radio. Um, to me, when I listen, like when I listen to other other shows aside from the one I work on, right? It's about being prepared, having an opinion, presenting it in an interesting way. Like no one wants to hear anyone just lay out information. They want it to be relatable to their life, whether it be like going to the grocery store or take this sporting the sporting event, this game related to being on a date, whatever it may be. Like. Just make it interesting and give it give it a personal touch that helps me understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm big on guys and girls who have an ability to really host and not just rely on phone calls. I think phone calls are a very old school way of doing sports radio. Um, I think that they can help with certain conversations. But there's a tendency for people to see the phone line blinking and want to go to them on every topic. And sometimes a random person's opinion isn't going to help further a conversation. Um, so I don't know. The, the best sports radio are people who can hold a conversation, you know, about anything. Um, well said. I, I, I don't know if that was well said. No, no, no. I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Well, because it's, it's true. I, I mean, to me, I, I enjoy Coward. He he compares. He, first of all, he's up there by himself. I mean, he's got a, a, sure. a, a sidekick, if you will. But essentially, he's a one-man band, and he's able to make compelling monologues, re, real in, real-life examples as a father or what have you, and support that with, obviously, facts and information, which what – like you said, yeah, it, if it's not backed with anything. Uh, sorry to interrupt. On the mm-hmm. other side, when it's a two- or three-person show, I'm always fascinated at good chemistry, right? Like, mm. we see it in sports. Right. When some people just under, like Stockton and Malone, right? There it is. They just understand where the other person's going before they get there, and they're prepared to make their next move playing chess. Like, a, a duo... They don't have to be the best, right? They don't have to have the best opinions. They don't have to have, you know, the most information uh, in their brain. But, like, if they have the best chemistry, it's something you can listen to all day. Like, there's a show I used to listen to in Atlanta, uh, Chuck and Chernoff on on 680 The Fan down there. I'd listen to those two talk about anything because the chemistry is just perfect. Wow. Sweetelson nailing it, baby. I'm glad I asked the question. That was phenomenal insight. 
Appreciate it, man. A <laughs> couple more for you, and then I'll let you, I'll let you get out of here. So, I, just we're talking hoops. You know, I'm wondering, just having foresight here and looking into five, ten years down the line, if we maybe look back on this era where the Warriors went to five straight NBA Finals, maybe six, maybe seven, when it's all said and done. If you're sitting down with Adam Silver, Dustin, what, what are you leading with in terms of making the league better? Ooh, right. So it's funny when we look back on things, right, our opinion changes. We don't remember a lot of details. Right. Um, and I, I worked with this guy when I used to cover NASCAR named Dave Moody. And he used to have this saying, at the end of your career, when a, when a driver would win a race and people would call in and, and complain about the way they did it. And he would say, at the end of your career, they don't, they don't remember how, they remember how many. So with the Warriors, I don't know if we're going to remember down the road how upset we were about the way they went about it with adding KD, with adding Boogie Cousins now, or whoever else they may add down the road. Right. Um, so I don't know what the long-term changes are regarding all that. I will say this, we're, we're, we're in a time where where like the Eastern Western Conference just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so you, oh wow! So you're you're open to the March Madness one through sixteen seat. Well, it just doesn't make sense because travel isn't as difficult as it used to be, you, and we there's enough cities in the middle now, not just on the borders of the country, where you can set up travel to make sense where you make your way across the country either way, up the north, south, east, west, whatever it may be. It's just it's easier than it used to be. We're not taking trains to games anymore. <laughs> I haven't thought about the travel element to that. I, I look, I go back and forth on the 16 seed thing because I think it's riveting and it immediately alleviates any free agency conference hopping BS that you wouldn't want to see, and, and I think avoids any monopoly or, or dominant squad. I think that that's the big thing. It squashes what people I think old school guys or girls don't like to see is that it kind of ends the Lakers-Celtics rivalry. They What if they meet in the second round now in this Sweet 16 bracket as opposed sure. to the finals? People don't like that vision, if you will. No, I get that. I get that. I mean, I, and there's another idea. I don't. I wish I could give credit. I don't remember who, who said this, but it's a genius idea. You so you take everyone hates how in the salary cap era we figured out basically you could, you could create a big three anywhere, mm -hmm. but then there's all these cities without a superstar to build around. Like when we were younger in the '90s, right? It, teams would find their superstar, they'd lock them down, that person would try and stay there as long as possible, and they'd have someone. Like, like in today's world, are we getting Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning together in Charlotte for as long as they were together? You know, like Muggsy Bogues? Like, I, I don't know if we're getting that. Are we getting John Stockton and Carl Malone to stay in Utah today? But he, the way you could do that is, I, I wish I could remember who came up with this, but you take one player, every team has a salary cap, Right. But then you have one player that doesn't count on the salary cap. Mm, and you pay I've that heard that. I have heard that. I know exactly what you're talking about. An unlimited amount. Whatever you want to – you want to pay them $75 million a year, you go right ahead and do it. You lock them up. That would be interesting to see because, look, winning's nice. But if someone's going to double or triple your salary when you're already making $25, 30 $35 million, it becomes a little bit harder to, to go be a ring chaser 
versus leading your own team. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I, I I just I bring it up because you know you remember Stern saying no to Chris Paul to the Lakers, and you look at Cousins to the Warriors, and it. And I know he could be a shadow of himself, but it's just like goodness gracious. I mean, I play two K. I mean, we're talking about two nineties, two ninety sixes, and an eighty eight. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, man. If you want to play the Warriors next year on Hall of Fame level on two K, you're gonna get smoked. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I, I get it, and like, I just don't. I, going back to that Paul trade, like, I under, if you go back and look at it, it was a perfectly fair deal. <laughs> it was a perfectly fair trade. It really was. Um, uh, the the NBA is at a weird spot, and they can do one of two things, right? They can wait out this Warriors run and hope that someone else doesn't build something similar. Or they can start making wide sweeping changes to the league, and maybe it's time for that. I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't think any, I don't think anyone's really opposed to a lot of the suggested moves that, that that have been proposed out there. Yeah, no, I, it's it's a it's a conversation for another conversation. Well, Dustin, I, I I appreciate the time. We we jammed over thirty minutes, my man. That was uh, talk about one two punch Malone Stockton chemistry. Good combos when you don't look at the time. You gotta love it. That was fun, Alex, man. I appreciate it, dude. Absolutely. And again, Dustin Sweetelson, producer of The Wrap with Patrick Maher on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Radio Channel 82, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern. Check it out. Dustin, we'll have to uh, maybe get a beer sometime in L.A., man. Come by the Comedy Store and Larry David Lamp with me. (laughs) Absolutely, man. We'll, We'll work on those details. I love it. All right, Dustin, have a good show. Appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Have a good one, Alex. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Until next time. Ta-ta real smooth.